Hello, this is uh, Fam Electric Ghost. I have Jessica Matthews on the line. Absolutely. So uh, we have the loveliest woman coaching is your business, and we're going to be talking about that tonight. So thank you for joining the program. Welcome. I'm a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'm just going to give a little brief background from your bio so our audience knows who you are. Uh, Jessica Matthews is an innovative speaker and author and coach and the sole founder of Loveliest Woman Coaching, LLC. And uh, you are doing a master class we're going to talk about later. That's your latest effort. And in your spare time, you you, uh, volunteer your coaching skills at a community college in your in your area? Yeah, community college students in, in my area. Yes, I do. So that's that sounds really cool. Um, and you um you enjoy traveling and outdoor activities and spending time with your family, but we're gonna dive into um maybe a little bit about your background and how you got into um the business of being a, a motivational speaker and the founder of your, of your organization. So I guess the first question would be, like, how long have you been an author? And then how did you segue into being a coach and a motivational speaker? Okay, so um, I'm going to take them in the order in which it actually occurred. So, um, so I started off my journey um, after I I didn't know who I was. I was so lost and broken and I needed to find my way. So I hired a life coach. I went and hired a life coach to try to figure out what the hell am I going to do? Because I don't know who I am. And so I, after six months, I found my purpose. And my purpose was actually to become a life coach. And I started on the drive. I had a six-month plan laid out on how to start the business. Um, after uh, about a year after, about a year after I figured all of that stuff out and I started working my plan, I launched my business, uh, Loveliest Woman Coaching. Then a year after that, I released my book. And then a few uh, months after I released my book, I started speaking at at um, radio appearances seminars and so forth so I wouldn't so much call myself a motivational speaker thank you so much for that title (laughs) but I consider myself more of a coach who speaks a coach that speaks okay (laughs) so we can tag that (laughs) and I was going to tag like motivational speaker but more of a coach that speaks yeah we can do that (laughs) um so yeah so that's that's interesting your journey there now it's reading in your bio like that what happened is that you had the demise of your 18 year marriage and then you had a lot of setbacks and hardships and relationships. And so that's what made you seek out a, a coach in, in the first place. So like a life coach. Yeah. Cause I was like, who am I? I didn't like who I was because I, I totally changed into this weird person, this mean spirited evil person that I didn't even know and I didn't even like. So I wanted to get back to me and figure out who I was. And part of my journey was hiring a life coach. And Mm -hmm. that put me on the path to success that helped me get back to me and to really begin to refine and transform myself and, and turn myself into someone unimaginable because I learned in my marriage that it wasn't him it was me because everywhere I went, I was there. And yeah. I, it had the click in my mind that I needed to change in order for my life to change. And if I kept pointing a finger at everybody around me, I was going to keep getting the same thing. That's interesting because a lot of times in life when you run into trials, it's kind of easy. You know, it's human nature to want to say it's outside yourself. Um because that's the easier thing. It's harder to look like in the looking glass or in the mirror and actually say, well, you know what? The common denominator here is, is that person who's staring back at me. <laughs> yeah, and I, this, this really happened um, a few weeks ago with my niece. I was house sitting for my sister when she and her husband 
and her children were out to Disney World. Yep, they went to Disney World during the pandemic. Oh, geez. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> it wasn't, no, it wasn't Disney World. It was Universal Studios. It was, yeah, it was Universal Studios. This is hard. <laughs> so um, I couldn't, I said, you going to Florida? She goes, yeah. I said, okay, whatever. So I'm, I'm house-sitting her, I'm house-sitting her house, and my niece wanted to come and visit, so I'm I'm watching my other niece and during this pandemic, house sitting for my sister. So my niece wanted to go visit her cousins. She goes to visit her cousin and she takes a game out of the house. She takes a game to her cousin's house because she wanted to play the Nintendo, Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. yeah. My daughter plays that. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. She, you know, my my sister came. My sister came and picked her up. My sister-in-law, who... I love as my sisters, I call her my sister. My sister came and picked her up and took her over. I get a call from my sister in Florida saying, hey, you know, so-and-so took the Nintendo Switch out of the house. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't even know you had a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and, and so the big, it, all of the stuff boiled over. And then my niece said she had permission. And my oh. sister. It's like said young people, yeah, didn't, young people like the and my brother-in-law <laughs> said she didn't have permission, and the niece who owned the Nintendo Switch said she didn't have permission. But my brother-in-law <laughs> said, I said she can play the Nintendo Switch as long as it sat in the cradle. I didn't say she could take it out of the house because I didn't want her to break it. Yeah, yeah. My niece like, huh? <laughs> well, young people have a tendency to kind of bend to what they didn't hear. <laughs> yeah, she kept insisting on so this also long story short the whole situation blew up out of control and then my sister goes to my niece well now that you're taking stuff out of the house and you you know you can't own what happened and you have to go home because you know I don't know what else you're gonna do and not own so I was talking to my niece I sat her down I said you know um, you gotta respect your aunt this is her decision I said, but what you need to understand is, I said, what could you have done differently? She said, nothing. I said, well, why didn't you could have, you could have asked your aunt to take the switch out because she didn't know this was happening. Well, that wouldn't have made a difference. I said, well, according to you, everybody else said yes, except for her. So all of the stories were crisscrossing. And I said to my niece, I said, can you take responsibility for anything? She said, no, it's not my fault. I have her, and we just kept going. And she could not see mm -hmm. the things that she had done created this. The thing that she, the reason she wouldn't own up to the fact she took the switch out of the house was the reason she was asked to leave. So she couldn't own anything and she could see that it was having a negative effect on everything. All she had to do was, okay, I made a mistake. It would have been over with. Done. Yeah. But she couldn't own it. And it just continued to snowball and escalate and escalate and escalate. And we do that in our lives over and over and over again. And we can't understand why we kept getting certain things. Now, my niece is mad at my sister. My sister is like, well, and so now it keeps growing. And then we can't understand why we have all these conflicts everywhere we show up. Yeah, it probably doesn't help that the leader of the free world says he he won't take responsibility. So if young people look up to to that to, to him, then they don't have a good example. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think yeah, that's a problem. This same thing plays out in our romantic relationships where we can't. We're what we're bringing is creating what's there and we can't own it. Perfect example, um, I was dating this guy and every time he came to pick me up, I was always late. I was never ready. He would come and pick me up and I was never ready. I was five minutes, 10 minutes, he was in, and, and one day he just blew up. He was like, why are you never, why are you now, I'm sick of this. You, you're never ready and, and you're making us late for the movie and da 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 da. And I said to him, I said, have you seen this movie? He goes, no. Yes. I said, well, I'm the only one hurt. And he said, that's not the point. I don't <laughs> like to be late. And I said, would you like to go back home? He goes, no, that's not the point. I don't want to be late. And then I said, you know what? 
I said, no problem. I will never be late again because I saw that it wasn't about me being late. It wasn't about us getting to the movie late. It was about how it was making him feel unimportant and I'm wasting his time. So because it was important to him, it became important to me to be ready. And the only reason that I wasn't ready is because a lady friend of mine who I adore as a mother figure told me to never be ready when a man comes to pick you up. That's the only reason I feel. Yeah, it's kind of an old school thing. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I always remember when I was, you know, before I met my wife that that was always the case. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of the kind of guy that, that wants to, you know, I'd have something booked like a restaurant reservation or a movie or some activity, a play. And then, you know, that kind of does kind of get on a guy's nerve, but um, yeah, I understand it. I think it's like a common thing. <laughs> now, what if I had a responded to who you're talking to instead of just he wasn't he just he right he elevated his voice. I mean, he didn't say anything, you know, disrespectful, but he I could tell that he was he was very he was about what he was saying, and there was no malice behind it. He was just very irritated with my behavior now if i had a came back with who you think you're talking to you're not my father it would have escalated i could have taken it but because i owned it i shifted it out of that toxic mm -hmm. that i created i i i put that in there not him mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel that like within relationships like somebody has to be kind of mature and not always like want to win that they've got to kind of be more empathetic and understanding in order to, 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 to not escalate, like to deescalate, you kind of have to take your ego out and not want to win that, that particular argument. You have to be willing to look at that like long-term. Do you think that that's like kind of, kind of the process? Yeah. Have you ever, um, have you noticed, have you ever got a choice between, um, video games or or board games or anything like that. The stuff that's complicated and you got all of these rules and you don't want to do it. Yep. But the ones that's really simple and you just like Uno. Everybody loves Uno. How do you play Uno? You match colors and numbers. That's it. Real yeah. simple. Yeah, it's not Goes to the circle. <laughs> it's simple. Everybody in the world plays Uno, but how many people play chess? It's complicated. You get all of these rules. You get the on the king can only move this way. The knight goes this way and that way. You can't go forwards. You can't go backwards. And if you do this, and there's so many rules, only a a handful of the population can play chess and can play it well. Everybody plays Uno because it's simple. Same thing for relationships. You got all these rules in there. You got all these expectations. You're making it complicated. Nobody wants to be with you. Nobody wants to do that. If you simplify it and take all of that extra stuff out, it will make it a lot more easier to be with you and to spend time with you and have fun. So we do that all the time. We complicate our relationships with all of this stuff. We complicate our relationships with being angry. We complicate our relationships with with being frustrated, we complicate our relationship with all of these layers of things, and that we can't figure out why it's not the way we want it to be. Yeah, I think I was reading like when I went to college, I was always reading about like Francis Fanon and Wretched Earth, and like this idea of people have masks, masks, and like a lot of times African Americans, we have to wear all these levels of masks, right, in order to be able to work within a society where we're not in the majority culture. Sometimes we have to mask our pain and our hurt and let something go, let a, let like a, a microaggression go in order to like still have the job, you know, or to still be able to, you know, stay where you are without getting into a fight. Um, and then even within you know, our own personal relationships, we got all these layers of wanting to present, you know, uh, this other other self that maybe is not the true self. And then that's hard because then if you're not really being who you are, then, then you know, who, who, who did somebody see when you're presenting something that's not even really you? <laughs> um, and we have to wear all these different, you know, roles. So, you know, I think it's very difficult <laughs> navigating that. 
and then having to be honest. I think really what you're saying is you got to be honest with yourself before you're honest with anybody else. You have to be honest with yourself and be able to look in the mirror and say, what am I bringing to this that's causing the result that I'm getting? For every action, there, for every action there's a reaction. You have a yin and a yang. You have the positive and the negative. So everything we do has a consequence. I don't care what you say. Everything we do has a consequence, whether it's negative or positive. So absolutely looking in the mirror is a starting point. And that's exactly what my master class is about. It's about creating romantic resilience. How do you move that? How do you move that toxicity out of your life? How do you shift that? Who do you need to be? How do you spot it? I mean, it's just so many different layers that the masterclass covers. It's phenomenal. How do you create a relationship? How do you identify it? And how do you, and after you get that relationship, you just don't let it die. Like you have plants. You don't plant the plants and just, yeah, I planted that plant and you never water it and then it withers and dies. You have to go and water it. So that's what the maintain yeah, relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you have to weed, you have to take care of the yeah. mold, you have to take care of it gets sick. You got yeah. yeah, you have to like have empathy and understand the plant. And that's mm-hmm. why I just give it water. You have to learn a little more than that. <laughs> so like master- me. Yeah. 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 So your master class, we have a link for it that's gonna be on the podcast as um, you know, toxicityresilience.com. toxicity And that's gonna be on the on the podcast when people when we publish it, you'll be able to have people click onto that and it'll go right there. So that's that's your latest effort. Is your it's called toxicityresilience.com, right? That's that's the actual class. The it's a it's a webinar, and I'm I'm going to be giving out tips. I'm going to be giving out tips and tips and things on how you can actually move past your stops in terms of being of toxicity and being more resilient in your romantic relationships. So yes, that's that's what we're talking. That's what we're going to be talking about. How do you Is that a single like episode webinar or multiple part? It's one webinar. It's just one webinar. Yes. And if people want to take take a diver deep a, a diver deep, a deeper dive, there would be an opportunity for any participant to take a a deeper dive into into the topic. But it's going to be phenomenal, and I'll get to I'll answer questions, and we'll go over um, this webinar, and it's going to be phenomenal. I'm just so delighted to change lives because I know what it means to actually look in the mirror and say, "I have to change to get something different in order for my life to start." start moving in a different direction. I know that I am the author of my life and I get to say how it goes. And so I'm delighted to have this conversation with singles, um, people who might be in a relationship or married people. So it's, it's, it's the, 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 the webinar is really geared towards people who want to move into a relationship. But it really is, I've taught this topic to every marital status, if you can ever believe that. Pretty much pretty much all the marital status, married, divorced, single. I don't believe I have had any widows um, in the class, but no, no widows, but married, divorced, single, and I, I've even had separated people in the mix. So, so that's your just, target that's your target demographic, your audience in those groups of people. My target is would be single professional women is my targeted audience. But I, you know, you have a product or service and you just attract other people who are drawn to the service or product. So well, how does the seminar work? Is it in real time or is it something that's already preset that you go through? Do you actually do it live? Is it like real time? It will be live in living color. I will be there. I will be on video and folks will have an opportunity to see me and talk to me and actually get get good questions answered and it's gonna be phenomenal. 
that's a really cool thing. Cause I w- I've been talking to people, you know, in, during COVID that are doing, you know, a lot of things where artists are doing like real time Q and a type of things, but, you know, I deal with a lot of different people in the arts and a lot of times things were just like, you know, you know, videotape stuff. And now people are realizing they can use like all kinds of new technology, like teams and zoom and all kinds of other things to do real time connections with their target, you know, customers or audience which is cool that you're doing that. Cause I think that's the real, you know, that's what a teacher, why people want to have like in classroom <laughs> teaching is the kind of that real time experience with, with a, a mentor or somebody who's like a sensei, somebody who's, who's teaching you something new, it, having that in real time where you can ask a question and have interaction, I think is really cool. And yeah, the really thing I love about this and I love about the topic is, um, not, so when we change, cause I, I have a perfect example of this, when I've changed, the people around me begin to change because I begin to have a, a different effect on them because I change. I can remember when I, I met this man. Um, it was so crazy how we met. I met him at uh, um, a local pharmacy store, like a CVS pharmacy or Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they call those? Drug convenience stores? Drug stores? Yeah, drug store, yeah, drug, yeah. yeah. Well, nowadays you say a drugstore, people think you're actually going to get mar- medical marijuana, so we might have to change the drugstore. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it's more like just a local pharmacy. Yeah, pharmacy. Quick stop that happens to have a pharmacy. <laughs> and um, we, we later, you know, get, you know, got together and went out on a couple of dates. And um, the only thing about it was the guy stood me up on a date. He set up a date and he totally just, no call, no show, and we had gone out before and had a great time. And I was surprised that he was a no, no call, no show. I thought the man had had was you no know, accident or 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 something. Oh, yeah, I get worried. <laughs> and yeah, you know, be, you know, no no call, no show. You know, we had been in communication all the time, and and um. When he called me later that day, um, I'm like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? He goes, yeah. And come to turn out, he he, he got drunk on his boat because we were supposed to go to his boat and, you know, sail around on water on Lake Michigan. And I was just so surprised. And how I handled the situation, I handled it totally different. From what I would have normally handled in the past, I I stepped up. I told him how I felt about the situation, and um, had a real heart to heart conversation about what I was expecting, and you know, and how we wanted things to go, how I wanted things to go in the future. And the funny thing about it was, we never went on another date because I had <laughs> expectations. I was like, nope. I'm not going on a date with you because you're not going to fake out on me. I changed my whole schedule around and he didn't show up. I mean, I changed my whole day and I was so mad. But to this day, he and I are still friends because of the way I brought the conversation. And he really appreciated how I spoke to him and, and what was said and how the interaction happened. Now that we're still friends and stuff, but we just don't date. And um, but he, and this guy begs me all the time. He wants to go out on dates and he wants to hang out. I'm like, nah, not really. But, but the relationship is very different now. But because of how I showed up, we were able to be friends and still have a different type of relationship and, the, and not on the no longer on the romantic, on the romantic track. So, and he has so much respect for me. He always says all the time how, you know, I'm a wonderful person and, you know, he's grateful that we met and I'm grateful that I met him. And from that position, we still are able to connect. And when you show up like that, you can still be in relationship with people, but on different levels. And, and you, you create alliances and you create all these different experiences in your life you don't shut down like maybe 
a year from now, two years from now, maybe we might decide to go on dates again or whatever, whatever. But hmm. if I hadn't handled it that way, the door would have been closed. If I had to slash his tires or bust his window or do whatever, we would have been on a different on a different page. But again, how you handle things determines how people respond to you and what you get back. So in your bio, you talk about your um, you have a unique loveliest woman coaching method. I think you've been discussing, you know, that in our conversation. But if you were going to like try to, you know, explain that, you don't want to give away your secret um, process. But if somebody asked you like, well, what is your loveliest woman coaching method? How would you like encapsulate that in a in a, in a general statement? Uh, my method would be, um, my method would be the romantic resilience and we'll go through the, the different romantic resilience so the, the if to to sum it up really easy um really really high level so one i help you identify where you are in terms of your love where you want to go and where you want to where you are right now and where you want to go next and then two the second thing i help you actually generate it and to create it to create the thing that you want. And then the third step is once you get it, I hope you maintain it. I give you the tools so you'll have the tools that you can to empower yourself and empower your relationship to stay out of the cycle of what you were doing before because we all have patterns and you will fall and you are reliable. We are reliable to fall into the pattern of the past. So I step in and give you tools, give tools to actually work through those. That's really interesting because like when I went to college, like I'm a techie, but one of my major, I actually was a sociology major, um, and I combined it with like legal, um, government, and political science. And I thought it was interesting because you know when you study sociology, it's not psychology, but it teaches you like how to look at how you know, people interact on a societal level and like a microcosm level, which is like at a personal level and a macrocosm level, which is like at a societal level. So how, why is there racism? And like, why is there sexism? Why is there classism? Why is there these things? And then you actually look at individuals and the effects of what happens and you study like criminology, you study, you know, um, you know, all kinds of human behavior at, at kind of like group level human behavior. And it's interesting that you 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 found all these tools that you know I've actually are familiar with from what I studied. Um, it's interesting how you come come to you know this is now your career that you're using these social mechanisms that people you know react to processes and procedures and there there are creatures of habit. They like to you know people will continue to do things. That's why there's addictive personalities. Why there's addiction because it's hard to break out of these patterns. So it seems it's interesting that you found a way to break out of your own pattern and then to help other people, you know, figure out how to cope, you know, and become a coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have, um, you've spoken at events like WVON and what can you explain to people what the WVON, what that is? And I, I guess you also were at the Black Women's Expo, Intellectual Radio, WBGX. Yeah, um, WVON is um, a talk radio show that's, um, this is a talk radio show that's uh, 1690 AM, I believe that's the call sign for uh, uh, W. The WVON, I, I don't know the call signs exactly. But yeah, um, I was actually interviewed on, um, I don't know if you, you're familiar with, I don't know if you're familiar with, but um, Chat Daddy Sims, I was interviewed on his show, Real Talk with People, mm -hmm. he has a relationship segment. And um, that that particular radio station is phenomenal. It's actually geared towards... Um, African American community, and it talks about all. It talks about everything across the spectrum. It talks about relationships, politics, um, current events, anything that you want to consume. 
they even have a, a life coach um, who who has a segment. I mean, anything you want to you want to know. They also have um, somebody who comes on about money. So pretty much anything you're looking for, you can go to WVON and consume it and get it there. And it's talk radio and it's phenomenal. It's, it's phenomenal. That's great to be in an environment that has that. I'm kind of in the Northeast in the middle of the boondocks. <laughs> so as an African-American, I don't have a lot of resources unless I go on like satellite radio and then I can grab anything. So I, my local radio is kind of like, it's all country music. <laughs> but um, I can get to stuff like that through satellite. So I probably should check the satellite and see you know what that's, what's going on there. Because I, I do get a lot of cool stuff off of satellite because I'm kind of locked, locked into this... Uh, northeastern region but um and um for the black women's expo everybody everybody heard about the black women's expo was actually canceled because of COVID-19 everybody was so um but everything's getting canceled I've done a um I've done a I've done seminars I've done seminars by myself uh individual seminars but what I love to do the most when I go to the black women's expo I I co-facilitate the seminar with the black chick Zandra Hughes and the Zandra Hughes and the six brown chicks. Um, we've done we've done this one particular um, we've we've done this one particular seminar. It was just crazy called Explorgasm. I don't know if I could say that on here. Yeah, we're cool. We can we can we we can do any kind. Of- we're kind of free, free speech here. Orgasm <laughs> was really popular. We had hundreds of women packed in this room to learn more about their bodies, how they could be more sensual. It was everything from learning how to do a lap dance to really understanding how your um, vagina works. To it was, it got really. <laughs> Again, that's really detailed. detailed. <laughs> that's detailed. Yeah. That's all right. Talked cool. about tantric, you know, yeah, just <laughs> everything. It was, just, it was a lot of really good information, and people walked away um, excited and, uh, no pun intended, and, <laughs> and really, you know, I get too excited. Right, really fired up about their relationships and how to take their relationships. Um, to the next level when it comes to um, physical connection. So based on the, the other question I was thinking of, can the coronavirus, how much of your work was actually, you know, interacting with people, you know, face-to-face versus doing like the net type of stuff that's going on with like the way you do these uh, master classes, you know, they can be done through the virtual. They've, they've always kind of been the ability to do them virtually. Yeah, but yeah, have you had to really shift a lot of stuff to online versus what you used to do? No, or did you always kind of do stuff online and not, you know maybe had like a half that you know fifty fifty online fifty fifty face to face or have you have you had to shift all a lot of no that? shifting at all? My very first master class, um, your good man formula, that one was actually face to face, and everybody kept complaining. I can't, why can't you do this online? I can't make it. I'm in a different city. I mean, I'll be out of the, I'll be, I'll be, be out of the country. I'll be out in a different state and, and um, I won't be able to make it there in time for my other event. And people asked for it to be online. So I made my, so I switched it that to my master classes. The, the next time I offered that master class, I did it in person two times. Then after that, I went um, virtual. Oh, yeah. yeah, I went virtual and I did the, co- I do my coaching um, over, I did my coaching over Zoom unless people specifically ask for face-to-face, which not too many people mm-hmm. did because it was a lot more convenient. But, you know, pretty much my coaching practice was had been virtual, so that was no change for me. I already had Zoom and all of the other infrastructure yeah. and support system in place, so I was like, "Okay, um, you're set." The, yeah, yeah, the it's like it's like us, us podcasters, we're kind of like, "Okay, this doesn't really affect us so bad." 
because like everything's from my, my bedroom studio. <laughs> being, a, being a musician, a lot of what we do is all like the construction of what we do is all like in our private spaces. And then, you know, if you're in bands, it's harder. Like I'm a, more of a solo artist, so I can kind of do stuff by myself. And then the podcast is like what you're, you're doing. It's all virtual. You know, it's all. And, and we started to get into video now. We're actually since last time we talked, we started to do video podcasts. So we actually have the ability to do video now. Um, but we had already set this one up. So, uh, you know, in the future, if you ever want to do a video, one, we can do that. Now. Oh, wonderful. But um, yeah, it's, it's always like the technology is getting better. I'm always like boosting up what my capabilities are, you know, getting better webcams, better microphones, better, you know, video consoles to like mix things together. So, yeah, I, just, I think a lot of people who look at this time and they say, well, you know, I can't do a show. I can't go to a convention. They always talk about what they can't do. And then I say, well, you know, you could double down on practicing. You could learn another instrument. You could, you know, interview another band. You could, you know, volunteer to do a part of, you know, work on another band's record. So you can talk about what you can't do. But, you you know, like I think like what you're saying as a coach, like you probably should think about what you can do. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Do you run into a lot of people that the first thing they say is they can't do this and they can't do that? And then you have to try to like, you know, get them to think, you know, differently. Do you run into that kind of resistance? Besides people saying it's like somebody else's fault. <laughs> Probably 100% of the people that I talk to, 99.99% of the people that I talk to normally are in the conversation of something that they can't do. I mean, because we all, like, we all have limiting beliefs that we're carrying around. We all have a limiting belief somewhere that we're inadequate in some sort of way. We have limiting, like, so, so yes, I can't think of one person that I have not spoken to that has not had something that was in their vocabulary that they said they could not do. Even Tony Robbins, uh, Tony Robbins had offered a virtual event. And before that, he was like, I can't do this virtual. Even he said it until, <laughs> until people start pushing him for it. And he was like, okay, I'll do it. And then he did it. He's like, no, this is the in-person experience. We can't do it, you know? So, you know, the best of the yeah. best. And, you know, people who train people to say, yes, you can, at some point in their lives are saying, I can't do it until they get up and do it and say, oh, well, yeah, yeah, actually, I can make generate this. So it's human and it's perfectly normal for us to say that we cannot do something because um, we're wired to stay comfortable. And, you know, yeah. you got to snap. That's all. Yeah. So do you um like when, do you get like feedback after you get somebody to like somebody takes your one of your master classes and do they come back to you? And, and give you feedback as like telling tell you like they've listened to you and they've actually changed their life and do you kind of use them as um uh, like 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 uh, examples are you able to kind of oh, like, yeah. reference like and then maybe include them in your next project you know to show like a case study oh yeah you, you, I have a case study where this one particular the uh, one particular uh, client, she she took she took a master class. Um, she took she actually took the Your Good Man Formula master class, which is actually condensed into this this master class that I'm doing now. The toxicity is like a combination of that one is embedded in this one, plus it's a lot more information. So I'm like, you're basically getting two master classes of one. So this particular lady, she took the master class. Six months before the mass class, I can't find a man. I can't find the type of man I want. I keep attracting the wrong man. I can't, it's, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. She just kept complaining. And six months after she took this master class, she met a bow, the type of guy she wanted, not the man she didn't want. She met a bow, fell in love, and she got a marriage proposal. She did not marry him because he dimmed her light. He was wonderful, but he wanted her to be small. 
And she said, I can't play small. She said, no, nah, I'm going to keep looking. And she just continued to draw men to her. But she began to draw men she wanted to her. And she kept mm -hmm. getting men. And she was like, I like the single life. And then she's going around dancing. And this guy, uh, about a year, half late or whatever, she was so happy being single. She was having a great time. And da -da -da -da. she said, I want to stay single forever. And then this man walked in and said, no, you won't. You won't date me. You must marry me. She goes, no. He goes, yes. This man forced her. Well, didn't force her, but he insisted. He said, I'm not going. She said, I want this. She said, no, you must marry me. So she actually got married, and she is overwhelmed with love and joy. She's just ecstatic about how it has turned out so and you know so she's got multiple proposals and this lady is a grandmother with three children with three with grandchildren three children plus grandchildren she's got multiple proposals and she's been divorced twice so don't tell me yeah. what's possible yeah some people always you know they can think their life is over at a certain point or they think they're at uh, a certain limit and you got to be willing to, you know, to, to have an imagination. I think some people are limited by their imagination and their, their capacity to embody change. You know, in order to, you have to kind of embody change to change. You know, you have to like be able to like handle it and be able to understand that it's probably going to be uncomfortable. I think that's where a lot of people have, have the problem. But is it uncomfortable you know, being poor, is it uncomfortable being in a toxic relationship? Is it, you know, easier not to do something? Or is it better to do something and it takes a little effort to get you out of that? Um, you know, it, it's, it's a balance where you got to decide, well, you know, you got to exert a little more effort. <laughs> the last time I checked, it's always easier to do nothing. <laughs> yeah. But some people think it's like it's so hard and you can't do this and they can't do that. But like you know, is it is it good to be in a in a in a codependent relationship that's like, you know, you're you're ending up in in bad in the dark corners, you know, of your psyche. You're not moving forward, and it's not helping you. You're not feeling healthy. You're not you know, you're not living healthy. And how is that good? Just because it's easy to stay there, but it's really not easy on you. It's like hurting you. So so I think you have to. You, it's that kind of realization when you get that moment in your life where you say, well, you know, I am going to have to do something. And I think people have different points in their life where they're willing to do, entertain that. And some people never entertain it. And that's kind of sad, but um, it's good that we have coaches like yourself out there that are, 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 are kind of motivating people. You know, you're not a motivational speaker, but you're a person that can get somebody to, to, to take a deep look at themselves and, and, and find a way to get to that change, which I think is cool. Absolutely. And, um, you know, codependency, the last time I checked, um, is probably not the best way to go. But, you know, everything has its place. And um, I'm not saying it's bad and I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying each person gets to decide how they want to live their life. And mm. at, at some point in time, they have to decide if they want to live a codependent life that's going nowhere and they're miserable or if they want something different. And it, and it takes each individual to look at the relationship and say, you know what? I don't want this. I don't need this. And I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to roll the dice and take my chances. And you know, some people are not willing to roll the dice. They're willing to stay with the devil that they know instead of going out and creating something new. So the fear is, I can't create something new, so I'm gonna stay right here. I'm gonna get something worse, so since I know what this is, I'm gonna stay here. So it's easier to stay where you are because you know what you're gonna get. But what if you had the power to create what you want? I bet that fear would melt away. You wouldn't, if, if, if people knew for certain that they could create what they wanted, they wouldn't stay and settle or be the codependent or be the thing. The fear is 
they're going to get the same thing or worse. So they, so they rather stay with what they know. And that's where I come in to empower people to get out there and generate something different because you can't do it on your own because if you knew how, you would have done it. And that's where I step in and that's what, why I am just so in love with um, the masterclass and, and, and changing lives and stepping in to empower women to actually create something different because it is absolutely possible to create something different. We create new things all the time. When we bake cakes, every time you bake a cake, it's not the same recipe. Especially mm -hmm. if you doing it by your, you, you doing it by, oh, you took a pinch out of here, you pinch out of there, you change the recipe unless you absolutely measuring it exactly the yeah. same and using the same ingredients. People are creating all the time. They're recreating all the time. And it can absolutely be done in a relationship. You can reimagine something that's been done. So instead of a pound cake, a lemon pound cake, instead of a lemon pound cake, a lavender pound cake. So you can reinvent. It's totally within your wheelhouse. Yeah, I think that's real interesting. I mean, typically I, I, I talk to, you know, creatives who are musicians or artists, but in your life, you know, the, you, you can have like an assembly line life where you're just doing the same thing. You're just punching a button, watching the widget go down the line, or you can be more creative. Like you're saying, you can, when you bake that cake, you know, you're doing something different every time. Or if you, you, you look at your life and you say, well, you know, you can be creative with your life. You don't have to just be on a routine schedule, nine to five, going on the train, going on the subway, doing this and doing that. You have the people who decide, you know, I'm going to go on LinkedIn and I'm going to do something different. Because I don't, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to. I don't like the way the boss is treating me. It's not right. It's toxic at work, and I, I need to get out of it. And you got other people who are afraid to get out of that. But you know, you have to be creative in in your life to get out of the, you know, the 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 chain of of of, of um familiarity. <laughs> you know, just because it's familiar does not mean it's actually good for you. Absolutely, and it's just like a car. Um, I mean, our lives are just like cars. We pick a brand new car. We get excited about it. You know, you get into it. Ooh, this is a brand new car. I love this car. You do everything for that car. You wash it. You 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 take it to the car dealership. You get all the tune-ups and you get all these things, you know, done on this vehicle. And then as time goes on, the excitement wears off around that car. You get a ding here. Somebody spills milk on your carpet. Now your now your car smells like spoiled milk, and then something else happens. Yeah. And so then, then before you know it, you're like, "This old beat up car. I need another one." And that's what we do to our relationships. When it gets all beat up and old, and we've gotten tired of doing the maintenance, we throw it away and get another one. And then we hope something changed, but we go into the same pattern of neglecting the vehicle and taking it for granted and then giving up on it when it's not the way we want it to be. Yeah. I think it's like, it's all kind of like, I'm, I'm a Buddhist. It's my, my religion. I practice, which we believe in like the law of cause and effect and karma, in which is, I think a lot of people, you know, I think when we realize that you need to get out of your situation, having kind of understanding of karma or the idea of cause and effect, because if you're in your life and you don't realize that your actions have an effect, then you can kind of be like a thoughtless or not sensitive to the things you do. But as soon as you realize that if you have an action, there's going to be another reaction. And if you don't think out what that action is, it might have a positive or negative consequence. But if you're aware that the actions you do have consequences, then you might be more considerate on what you how you behave and that's why we need somebody on the outside because hindsight is twenty twenty. everybody around you can tell you what you're doing wrong but you can't see it because you're in it and it's like well what you, you just can't see like tell me tell me tell me and it's totally natural not to see it like when you're in fog you can't see the fog all you know is that you can't see all you know is you can't see around you. You can't actually see the the cloud. 
But if you step out, you can see it. All you all you know is the fog is is around you. You you just you surrounded by fog and you can't see past the fog. But once you step out of the fog, then you can see the stuff around you. So that's the same thing when, when you're in a relationship or something. When you're in it, you can't see past, you can't see all of that stuff. And it's it's not our fault that we can't see it. That's why we that's why we have communities and people who love us and, and coaches and yeah, therapists yeah. and mentors and sisters and aunties and mothers and uncles and fathers and all these other people in our lives to help us to say, hey, look at that. Make, look at this. Or, and books and all these different wonderful resources and movies to help us move forward and shift. Yeah, so what, what what would you say is a really good movie that you've watched that kind of falls into the line of your master class thinking? Do you like do you refer some of your clients to certain movies to watch or TVs or books that represent you know the way you think they should be looking at things? Is there any particular movie you would you know say is a good good thing a good vehicle to watch if you're in trying to get somebody to be in? in the mode to think about changing their life? Um, the one movie, I, uh, the first movie that actually comes to mind is, um, but I don't, have a re I don't have a movie recommendation. I have book recommendations. So I'm going to have yeah, to put that cool. on my list <laughs> to have movie recommendations. But if I had to pick a movie um, in terms of relationship, um, I would have to say, um, um, what dreams may come. I don't know if you guys remember that movie with Robin Williams, where he was so in love with his wife, and um, she was. Oh, I think I saw. Yeah, that. yeah, I saw that. She was depressed, and and she she took herself out of it, and he went to the pit of hell to go and get her. That movie was phenomenal. It was all about how you could see all of the different layers of how she wasn't happy. And he was like, honey, what are you doing? I love you. Come back to me. Why would you leave me? And he had a whole different perspective on who she was than she had for herself. But because she was in the thick of it, she couldn't see it. And he went mm -hmm. and he fought for her. And he turned, he turned it around. He got in there. And he made a difference in her life. He made a difference. He got in there and turned it around. So that's the only yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a really good movie. That, I, had, I had forgotten about that movie, but now you may, you may remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if I had to say books, um, a book in terms of relationships, um, I love um, this one will help you kind of like get a grasp on your relationship. Um, Dr. Gary Chapman, I love the five love languages. I absolutely mm -hmm. love that book because that's a perfect example of how you can actually look at what you're doing, figure out what that person's love languages are. Like people usually get that book and say, I'm gonna find out what my love language and tell my mate to give me all of my love languages. So but what I do is I challenge people to yes, Go and do the love language, take the quiz. You take the quiz, have your mate to take the quiz. And then when you find out whatever your mate's love languages are, that's what you give them. You pour into their love language. Stop looking for them to give you something. You give them their love language. That's your goal. Every day, all day is to give them whatever their love language is. And don't worry about getting yours. You just Because if you do that, then it will kind of come to Exactly. They're going to reciprocate because, because loyalty feels love. Somebody is constantly loyal to you and they show up, show up, and they show up, and they show up, and they show up, and they keep showing up. Loyalty can build love. After some period of time, they go, like, oh my God, this person's been all this, they keep showing up for me. Then you don't want to show up for them. 
because they're showing, they don't want to show up for you because you're showing up for them. And if they don't want to show up for you, then that's a whole nother thing. They're a narcissist. <laughs> yeah, we got a little too many of those around right now. <laughs> but eventually, eventually, I mean, most people, human nature, if somebody keeps showing up for you and showing up for you, you're going to eventually start showing up for them too. And, and, and don't look for the challenge is not to look for them to reciprocate. The challenge is to take responsibility and keep showing up for them no matter what. I think that's a good way to be. I think that that is a good life coach uh, statement, you know, of, of, of like an idea, a concept to, to actualize in your life is so many people I think are into this kind of self gratification that they're always looking for what you're going to do for me and not thinking about kind of what Kennedy said, you know, what can you do for your country? And then when you have this kind of attitude that you're willing to sacrifice or do something beyond yourself, then things tend to happen for you, you know, because then you're in more of a positive kind of place that you're in this place where, you know, you're more likely to have light shining on you if you have that kind of attitude than a narcissistic attitude. <laughs> Absolutely. So things are going to happen to you. Yeah. Absolutely. And just, just think about, um, just think about just showing up for people. Um, I can remember, um, I can remember uh, the guy that I was telling you about that I was dating. The reason that I said to him, I'll never be late for because that man showed up for me. He, I saw how upsetting it was make, how upset it made him. I didn't no longer wanted to take the advice of the lady I love so much, who was the mother figure of my life, and I respected her. And this lady is so wise. This lady is brilliant. She has a PhD. She's brilliant. This lady is brilliant. She has so many degrees, but. Hit him because he showed up for me over and over and over and over and over. And he would plan the dates and I didn't even have to do anything. He picked the restaurants. He picked me up. He paid for dinner. I didn't do anything. <laughs> he did everything. I didn't do anything at all because he kept showing up for me. It was important for me to show up for him. And, um, and, and if he calls me, and ask me to do something. Ask me to do I'm going to show up for him. Because he showed up for me constantly. Without looking for something back. Show up. Show up. Show up. And that's, that's how you make a difference. That's a tip that everybody can take that. And make a difference in their relationships right now. Without even coming to the webinar. If you go and do that, you'll make a difference. Well, they should come to your webinar because <laughs> we, we're going to push we're going to push that for you, and uh, we're getting to the end of our broadcast. But we're very happy that Jessica uh, Matthews has been on the show. You know, you're you you have the Loveless Woman Coaching um, LLC. You've got your new Toxicity Resilience Masterclass, and we're very excited that you came on the program. We got to share this with our audience, with I think all creative people have um, all kinds of issues in their working relationships. And I think they could take, you know, some of the people I deal with. Um, when you're a musician, you can get very passionate about your work and you can get into like toxic relationships with your partners. <laughs> and I think the skills you're talking about can apply to anybody who who's running into that kind of problem. So I think a lot of people in, my, in, in, in the audience I talk to would uh, actually I think they would benefit from taking your class and looking at it and, uh, and getting to be a part of it. And we have a lot of female musicians that are part of our, um, our um, uh, group of people in our collective. So I think a lot of people will be interested in what you're doing. I will be happy to have them and make a difference in, the, in their lives, in the lives of their family. It is my mission to transform one million families by... 2025, restore these families and put them in a position where women are declaring to um, create families that are abiding in love, peace, and joy. It will be my honor to serve them. Well, thank you very much. 
um, Jessica Matthews, and we, we're going to put this out on all the platforms we're on. We are on 11 podcast platforms uh, on the net, including Spotify, Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, many, many more. Um, we will send you the Spotify and Apple and Anchor links after this podcast, and we'll be promoting your podcast on all of our social media. So, yeah, look forward on our Instagram. The cool thing about the Instagram promotion, it actually has the highlight to the Spotify version of the podcast, which means if you click on the highlight that we're going to put up, it'll bring you right to the Spotify version of the podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the Spotify podcast capability, you don't have to subscribe to uh, Spotify to listen. So you can not have a subscription. You don't have to have a paid subscription on Spotify to listen to Spotify podcast. So anybody wants to listen to this episode, they don't have to. Their excuse doesn't have to be, well, I don't have a subscription. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> so thank you very much for being on the program. And uh, we'll hope to talk to you in the future. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care. Have a good, have a good night.